Hello, everyone. Welcome to a bonus episode of Front Page Dub, something new that we are introducing for this season, as we teased a little bit in our first two episodes. I'm Katie Ojeda. I'm your regular co-host. Well, host. Our co-host is also here, Matt Olson. Matt, how are you doing today? It's a pleasure to be with you, former David Jones model, Cody Ojeda. Ah, glory days. Glory days. And with us today, a very special guest. Sorry, Matt, you're not no longer the special guest on this podcast. Uh, Wanderers captain now has recently announced just before the season started. Matilda and Optus Sport expert, I guess you can say now, um, taking a little venture into the media. Amy Harrison. Amy, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Perfect. So for anyone that is wondering, this is going to be a new series that we're trying called Front Page Dub Shorts. Basically, we're just going to get some players in and just have a little chat with them about what's happening kind of during this season, a little bit about themselves. Obviously, there's plenty to talk about with Amy. Amy, if this is a full podcast, we could have you here for over an hour. But for anyone playing at home, this will be more of a 20, 25 minute easy listen, which when it's me and Matt, obviously, that isn't always the case. But something that we're going to try. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. Hopefully, Amy, you enjoy your time here. And we'll get stuck into it. We'll start with maybe the off-season stuff leading into the season because you're off-season from the A-League Women's this season was a busy one, getting to cover the Women's World Cup, which me and Matt covered ourselves, obviously not on the same scale, but we do our thing online. You've done your thing in front of the TV screens. Um, tell us about that experience because you ended up being a very integral part of what was, for some of us, a highlight of this year, really. Um, just first of all, how did that all come about and how did you get involved in it? And just the overall feelings about being able to play such a key role in what's one of the biggest moments in football in this country. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're so immersed in that, what I was doing, it's kind of hard to see it like that. But I guess, yeah, it was such a, a big, um, opportunity. I kind of fell into media, um, when I did one of my ACLs and really enjoyed it and then kept playing and kind of moved out of that space. But, um, when I moved back home last year, um, I did the, the Euros for Optus Sport last year for the women's and, and really enjoyed that more of a, a social, um, point of view, just short captures. Um, and then when I moved back, started to do a lot more with, with Optus and yeah, it was kind of built towards the World Cup. Um, I wasn't exactly sure what the role was going to be, but when they asked, uh, me to, to co-host the, the daily kickoff, which was a, a morning show for 35 days straight. Um, <laughs> I thought football was tough, but my goodness, doing that every single day, um, was, was definitely a challenge, but absolutely loved every second of it. And then towards the back end, being able to, to be pitch side for the biggest games of the tournament was, was amazing. Um, but I think, you know, for me, I, I love football. Um, and to be able to cover women's football, a world cup in my own country and in my own city was, you know, an absolute honor. Um, I loved every second of it. Um, probably slept like 12 hours out of the whole month, but it was worth every second of it. Um, it was busy, but it was really cool, a really fun journey. So cool to, to see women's football and the way it captivated Australia. Um, and to be able to help put that into, into people's eyes was, was really amazing. Like I said, it was an integral part of everyone's viewing experience, really obviously being a co-host on the main Optus Sports show for the tournament. You said, obviously, you didn't get, obviously, a lot of sleep during that period of recording, I guess, yeah, 35 days yeah. straight. How much of a toll does that take on you? And you've played at some of the highest levels in women's football as well, spent some time in Holland. I believe you played Champions League football at one stage mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. How does that kind of compare, like in terms of like a physical toll where 
you know, obviously you're not there running around this time, but you still, you've got the early mornings, you've got a lot of prep. It may even take a bit of a mental toll as well in terms of fatiguing yourself. What was that aspect yeah. of it like in dealing with it? Yeah, definitely. I think it was um, definitely a mental toll. I think my my call time every morning was 5 a.m. So I was there pretty early every day. But it honestly, it just became so easy because the, the team we have there at Optus and my co-host Bex and, and Claude's were, you know, we all just got on like a house on fire. So it was just like coming to work and chatting and um, just having so much fun every day. So Yes, while it was tough, the back end got, got difficult when the game started to be 8 p.m. kickoff and you had to be there at 5 a.m. and you're just thinking, when am I going to sleep? But you just are on such an adrenaline. Um, as a footballer, you, you ride the highs and lows with adrenaline. I think it, it was no different, to be honest. So, um, yeah, every second of it was just absolutely amazing and, um, yeah, we'll be so proud to, to be a part of it. You mentioned the relationship that you have there with, with Bex and Cords, and I actually thought it was one of the most fun things about DKO. It was just the very casual, laid-back nature of it, and the banter between you guys was fantastic. But um, like being involved, I guess, uh, as a pundit is one thing, but to be involved in a show where you're breaking a lot of barriers and you're talking about a lot of different things. You know, I remember when you had the um, the wheelchair football guys on, mm-hmm. for example. Yep. So what was it like having to cover a really wide variety of, of topics and also keeping that vibe up and being a lot more than just a football show? Yeah, it was definitely a challenge. Um, something I've never had to do. Usually I am just the expert on the panel and I just get asked the questions about football and I just answer it. Um, so to kind of have to, you know, dig deep into, yeah, our, um, special guests and who they are, what they do, um, every single day was, was a challenge, but it also was just so cool to be able to learn so many people's stories, like Dimitri with the, the Power Chair World Cup, which is happening right now. Um, we're hopefully going to go watch him tomorrow. So, um, just being able to, to tell stories, um, I think was so important to, to the World Cup storyline. Um, you know, obviously there was the games going on, but there's so much of Australian football that makes up what this country enjoys about watching football. So, um, it was a, it was a challenge, like I said, every single day having to, you know, get stuck into people's backgrounds and ask questions and, um, prepare and things like that. But, I've never been someone who just wants a simple kind of job, a simple life. So um, to have to kind of get really stuck into it all was was really fun. And the two, or the three of us, really, um, just you know, we just bonded straight away. Like Claus and I obviously knew each other, but we never met Bex before. She come from England, um, you know, a lot older than the two of us. But we honestly just got along like a house on fire, and it just made it so easy that. Every morning, if they knew more about one person, we'd just all chat and, um, you know, get everyone up to speed. And it just, it just became effortless. Now, Chair, Asian Cup, I believe it is. That's going on at the moment. Maybe the World Cup. The I've, World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. World Cup. Yeah. That completely set my mind. I believe we're actually doing quite well at that. I saw yeah, we, are. we had a draw against Uruguay or we equalized yeah. late against them. Yeah. It's good stuff going on over there. But, um, Absolutely. we'll move on to kind of how this season started for you. And in the lead up to the Sydney Derby, obviously, uh, with Claire Hunt going, that opened up a special position within the club, and you have been named as captain. Now, I hope I've done my research right. I believe you're a Camden local, is that correct? I am, yes. There we go. So, talking about leading now your local club, because obviously MacArthur technically comes under there, but they're not in the A-League women's space, so the Wanderers are the local women's club at, at an A-League level at least, yeah. leading out this Wanderers side, especially in that opening game in front of 11,000 people. How much does it mean to you both in that moment and just 
in general as a captain of this club? Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, I was fortunate enough to to be vice captain a few years ago, and unfortunately, our captain did do her ACL, so I had to step into that role for majority of the season a few years ago. But um, yeah, I guess this one's different. I think the hype around women's football now is different, and to be able to walk out the other day um, to to Allianz packed house, and there's fireworks going off, and um, guards of honor, and and everything was was going on. So it was a really really special moment in a Sydney derby. Obviously, spent a lot of time at, at Sydney FC, but to to be able to captain my local club, my my hometown club, and a region that I represent, um, you know, since I was born, it is really really special. It's, I think, you know, I only just got named a, a few weeks ago, so it's still kind of you know coming to me. But yeah, I'm loving every second of it. It's really fun. Talk about everything that happened kind of around that day as well. The guard of one of the fireworks, obviously the biggest crowd we've had in A-League women's history as well. Was there ever a moment where you were kind of looking around going, this is a pinch me moment, almost can't believe this is real, or is it just more a testament to the reality of women's football now? I think a bit of both. Um, you know, we've never had that before in the A-League, like you just said. And for me being a Sydney girl, um, to see that at a home, was amazing and yeah I, I had a pinch moment for sure when the fireworks started going off and I was just like looking around like yeah this is awesome um this is why we we work hard every day to do our job so um but I think also on the flip side is like that should be the normality now um I think we've seen Australia and how they turn up to to football and women's football in particular so um the fans are obviously there they're here they, they watched it and, and they really took it on board so um I think that should be the normal now well, yeah, even you look at people like me and Matt where we've played our, even if it's a small part, our part in yeah, it's a part. trying to help her the game. Yeah. And even I was looking around that day and thinking, wow, like this is, like obviously I was at the World Cup, I was seeing like the crowds that were getting there, but seeing it, I guess, at the A-League level, you you never know how those things are going to translate to it. So to see it in person and to see yeah. what Saturday turned out to be was absolutely fantastic. I was pinching myself at one stage, so I think that can say enough about it another small change that's gone well I shouldn't really say small another change that's gone on at the Wanderers a little bit higher up than you of course um Cat Smith obviously leaving and Robbie Hooker coming in obviously not a lot of time between when he came in and that first opening game I believe someone mentioned there was probably about four training sessions that he had with you before he was leading you out in one of your biggest games of the season but even in that small time is there anything that you've kind of seen or noticed from him that you believe like he's able to add differently to what you've had maybe in the past, not just at the Wanderers, but even in the A-League in general as well. What do you think we're going, we can expect from him as people just following this Wanderers side? Yeah, Robbie's a great guy. I think the way he's he's come in and, and really brought the team together um, and really gave us that belief, I think we have been missing as as individuals and as a group. Um, you know, he's a He's a really cool character that, you know, when we're on, we're on, but we can also have a, have a joke and have a laugh and, and enjoy each other's presence, which I think is super important in a team environment. Uh, but he's, he's experienced. And I think that's, you know, a really important thing for, for this group. We're a young team. We're a team that's still forming slowly. Um, and to have someone of, of his caliber of experience is, is really important. Um, not only for, you know, the senior players, but the young ones more so because, you know, there's still so much learning. I'm still learning. Everyone's still learning. Um, so he's, he's got a lot of good structures. Um, his, you know, patterns of play are really good. Um, and the way he breaks down the game into, 
certain parts. Um, I won't go too technical, but the way he's been able to come in and really add a structure, add um, an identity to us, I think is has been really good. And the way all the girls have been able to to buy into that in such a short space of time has has been really good to see. Um, and I think even you see from our first half to our second half, where it was completely different. So I think the growth that we'll be able to to have under him is um, yeah really positive. You mentioned the difference between the first half and the second half, and we'll get into the derby now because that was something that I did want to talk about. Now, obviously, being there the first half, Sydney FC, they are definitely a great side, um, champions the last three years in a row for a good reason. But coming into that second half, you guys did look like, you can almost say a different side. Melissa Caceres yeah. coming into the game did offer something different mm-hmm. and did help you guys go forward. But um, in terms of maybe Rock- Robbie Hooker's influence on the game, Getting in half time, what was his message? Was it just purely tactical adjustments or was there a sense of motivation as well? What were the conversations like at that period of the match? Yeah, you know what? It, it didn't really change anything. It, it was more giving us the belief to, to stick to what we were doing. Um, it's not often you have to defend for 30 minutes straight, which is, I think, which what we did and defended, I think, eight corners and, um, you know, maybe looking at, at that that scoreline and, and that performance a few years ago, maybe we would have gone in and lost a lot more. So I think his his biggest thing was staying in the fight, staying staying in it, um, doing what we can and surviving. And then halftime was was about, you know, sticking to to our principles and, and relaying that information onto everyone and just making sure we, we stuck to what we've been working on um, and making sure that we actually did that. I think we had a plan in the first half, but we didn't execute it at all. Um, we gave them, I think, a lot, probably too much respect uh, for a derby as well. Um, you know, it's a big occasion. I think a few people may have, you know, lost that, that occasion a little bit, but that's normal. That's okay. It's it's going to happen. Um, but I think that the second half, we just executed the plan and I will more aggressive. Mel obviously came on and, and made a massive difference for us, um, being able to, to keep the ball. Um, and then I think you see our where we were positioned on the field was a lot higher, which, you know, that's what you want. You don't want to be up in, in your back half of the field. So, um, yeah, just honestly executing the plan, and I think we did it a lot better in the second half. You talk about everything with the occasion, obviously Sydney FC kind of stepping to you. You're doing a lot more defending than what you'd want to hope. So, obviously Sydney FC has been a juggernaut for so long, but it seems like Robbie Hooker's come in and it's almost like, but we don't want to be just the other team in Sydney anymore. We really want to step up and not just be at that level, but possibly surpass it. One comment he made at a fan forum, I believe, that kind of got let out was that we, when we talk about players leaving, we want them to go to big clubs. Claire Hunt's a good example, going to PSG. We don't just want players going to Sydney yeah. FC anymore. You think he's going to kind of ignite this rivalry a little bit, add a bit of spice to it? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the last thing you want. You don't want to lose your, your up-and-comers or your best players to – any club, let alone a rival club. Um, you want to try and keep the group together. Obviously, in the past, um, you know, some of their best players came from us and we've always done a bit of a switch between the two. Um, but, yeah, it's it's so important. Wonders, you know, you look out in the West, there's so much talent. There's so much diverse culture and, and talent and up-and-comers. We have a fair few coming through now and, and that's, you know, unfortunately been a struggle in the past few years that we've lost them. Um, and it needs to be an environment where people want to come in and, and stay and, and learn and stay and go to a bigger club overseas or um, not your rivals. So, yeah, definitely, and I think having him come in and, and have that um, and trying to stamp that authority is really important. Do you think that that's 
sort of a paramount reason as to why the Wanderers have, have not been as good with the, the women's program in recent years. It's just that you've not been able to retain the talent and therefore you haven't been able to get the success on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. It's I think in the past it's definitely been seen too much of a, a stepping stone club. Come there, get a chance and go somewhere bigger. Um, and not being able to retain those players then means we're always suffering because we're always helping develop but never keeping those players. And you see with Sydney, um, I think what they've been so good at for their whole existence is they've been able to keep a core group of players together for a long time. Um, you know, I, I was there for seven years and to, to have that, is, Nat, Nat Tobin's still there. Um, so, you know, to, to have that core group of players that are always there and the culture stays the same no matter who's in and who's out is so important. And I think, um, that's what we need to do. We need to have a, a culture that, is always the same. That's no matter who's coming in, no matter who's going out. It's it's staying the same. People know what their expectations are coming into the club, and um, and you start to keep people. Then it becomes an environment where people come in and thrive. Um, and if you do lose players to bigger clubs, and the next person comes in, and they know it's an environment that that can also happen for them. So it's about changing that, and then that takes time. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and we certainly aren't. Um, yeah, so I mean, that. I, I guess, I guess, just the, the follow up to that is, I mean, how much of a long term project is this? Uh, like, can you can you put a timeline on? No, I don't think so. I don't think anyone can. You know, some things happen quicker than than others, um, but I think with who we have in there now um, and the way the club is investing and and looking deep down into it, I think it's definitely a. Um, I wouldn't say a short term goal, but I don't think we're looking long long term. You know, the talents there. The, the facilities are there, the club structure's there. Um, now we have a great coach that's there. Um, so the, the, the pieces are forming, and it's just about us now to put it together. Talk about the players and young talent being there. Let's talk about those young players and young talent now because there's, especially over the off-season, it really looks like the club's going that direction where they really want to be, I guess you can say a development club, but even a development club at an A-League level can still be a top-level team if you're getting the right players in. And you're looking at the ages that some of these players are coming in. You're talking about that almost under 18s bracket, 17, 16. I believe um, Iskia Brooking, who's yeah. from that side of the country, is only yeah, 14 or something. Yeah. I've never seen that. I, and that was only on a whim where Wanderer signed her. I go, okay, yep, here's her Instagram. And there's 14 in her bio. I thought she just hadn't updated in a while at first. I thought that was a bit of a joke there. But um, talk to me about that direction the club's taken in because there's uh, it's not even just her that's kind of in that younger age bracket. Talia Eunice, I believe, is still in that younger end of her teens as well. Obviously, the club's got a lot of faith in these players to be able to step up at such a young age. How does that come about and how exciting is it that you're now the leader of potentially a new generation of Matildas as well? Yeah, so exciting. Um, that's the stuff I love. I, I love being able to, to help nurture those young ones come through and those two, Talia and, and Ishka, I love them a bit. They're, they're the best kids. Um, they are going to be unbelievable players. Um, the way they play for 14 year olds is, is insane. Um, they're so but talented. Talia is also 14 as well. Yeah. They're both 14. Wow. Yeah. So they're that's about nice. to turn 15 and they actually, up until I think three days ago, um, the rule just changed, but they weren't allowed to play until they were 15 years old. They're good enough to play. And so the rule now has changed that, that they can. Um, they turn 15 in a few weeks anyway, but, um, the talent that, that's coming through with, especially those two, you know, blows my mind. And, and that's, that's the thing that we need. We need to have those groups of players that we're able to keep and build. And, you know, Tyler Eunice, the whole family's at the club. Her, her brother's in the, the A League men as well. So, 
Um, it's about keeping these players and, and helping them grow and, and mature as, as people and, and as, as players. But, you know, not only them, we have Kush Labru who started on the weekend. She's 19. Amy Chasari is 19. I think India was, was 17. Oh, I, th- I think she's 17, which is crazy. Um, so there's such a good young crop of, of girls coming through and this is the ones that we need to start building the future around and, and have those senior ones to, to help lead the way. But it's exciting times. It's, um, you know, especially with those two youngsters coming through from, and then we have a few train-ons as well who, um, really good players. So it's, you know, it's about keeping that, that group together and, and just building and it takes time, but we need to build with them. Just, just on that with the, the young players and a lot of the rule changes, obviously we've, we've had it sort of come to light that Millie Clegg was signed. Um, and she's not actually able to play until her 18th birthday, right? So just yeah. what what's that been like? Because obviously she was signed as someone that it was seen as a, a poaching from the Phoenix, right? So it's really important to sort of get someone like that in camp, and then she's she's not able to play a football. So what's that been like for, for her? Yeah, frustrating. Yeah, not only for her, but for me and the rest of the team who we get to see what she's like in, in training, and we just think, God, we would wish to have you on the field because she's absolute quality. Um, she's had a lot of experience, obviously, just being at the World Cup and – you can just tell she's itching to go and for her not to be able to play in the derby and then now against her former club is is super frustrating. Um, and, you know, I speak to her a lot about it and she's obviously, um, you know, not overly over the moon about the decision, but she's just working hard and, and waiting. She knows when she turns 18, which is in a few weeks as well, um, that she's ready to go. But, yeah, I guess it does blow my mind a bit because she played in the league last year. But obviously there's a, a rule for a reason and, you know, it is what it is, um, but she's going to be ready to go soon and, and we can't wait to have her. I think it's a bit of a FIFA rule, but then again, yeah. I don't think FIFA constitutes the fact that Wellington play in an Australian competition. So she's not really, or she's going overseas, but yeah. also not really. You yeah. mentioned for her playing at the World Cup, so she played three World Cups in the last 12 months yeah. or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. You're talking about a very, very talented player and obviously it'll only benefit youth when she's able to actually come in um, just one last thing on those young players. You mentioned India, Amy, and talking about them being young players. We started talking about 14 year olds. They almost feel like the seniors in this team now, the way some of the other girls are shaping up. But, um, if you had to pick one or two that maybe fans that aren't really aware of who's really coming through with the Wanderers just yet to actually keep an eye on and make sure they're watching this season, who would you say? Yeah, I think we have a few. Um, one who I, I think is going to be quality, Alexia Postalakis. She obviously played with us a lot last year, um, but I think she's got a lot of potential. Um, who else? I think, yeah, Kush LaRue, I think he's on track to have a really, really good season. I think she had a an okay season last year, but um, she's the way she's come into preseason has, has really been positive, and I think she started well. She looks good. Um, the young ones, I'm really excited for those young ones to get a chance, and I'm also really excited to see Millie Clegg, I think. Like I said, in training, I think she's been great. She's a, a really good person, good head on her shoulders. And um, for us, we're dying for a striker that's able to score goals. And um, I think and I hope, um, but I really do think she'll be that answer. Dahlia will be an interesting one as well. I've watched a fair bit of her brother, Marcus, and you're talking about a real excitement machine as well, the way he plays or she's anything of that ilk. Oh, um, we, we, we've had her on a trial game during, uh, during preseason and, if anyone watched, you're not thinking she's 14. The way her Anishka came on and just ran the show, their they're quality. I, I can't wait for them to, to get their opportunity, and no doubt they'll take it. Could be some very good gets to the Wanderers. They obviously, Tali Eunice isn't much of a get. She's just been developed through the club, but I'm sure you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Talking yeah. about 
the actual expectations for this season because, yeah, look, there's a development side of things, but you still look like you're putting together a, st- a quality team that can actually challenge. Obviously, it's the top six now, and you look at Wanderers last season, they weren't far off it despite a bit of a shaky start. Mm-hmm. And you're talking the coach is having a good effect coming in now. There's these young players that are both ready to take on the A-League and having a point to prove to show that they're of that standard as well. Where... And I don't want to put too much expectation on it because obviously if I ask where you're going to finish, you're going to say up towards the top. But in terms of expectations, would you say it'd be a disappointment not to make finals this year with what you have? Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, we we started really slow last year. I think we lost the first five. But the way we finished, I think we were only a couple points off being able to make finals by the end, which is is crazy when you think about the how poor our start was. And I think the way we've started this year is miles ahead of, of where we ended last year. Um, and the talent we have, you know, we know we're a good team. And I think the most important thing for us is right now the focus is being a, a hard team to beat. We we need to have that mentality about us. Um, and then honestly, I think like th- there's no expectation. I think the the more we grow as a team, um, we trust the process and I think that's the most important thing because, yeah, I think no one really gives us a chance. Let, let's be real. I think everyone looks at Wanderers and thinks, shamble, this, that. But we believe in us and we believe in, in where the club's going. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, and where that takes us, I'm not sure. I, I can't say right now. I'm I'm hoping it's final. I do think it will be the finals because I think we have a really talented group and once we, you know, start to, to build more together, I think we can be a good team. But football is a funny game and you never know what can happen. <laughs> There's a lot about competition as well. That you, you exactly. It's not just about having a good team. You've also got to compete with everyone else who's almost on the same level. We'll say in some of our preseason episodes, everywhere from like maybe second to 11th is really up for grabs. Yeah. It's um, a very even competition there. And that's only exciting from our point of view at the very least makes your job a hell of a lot more difficult. But um, obviously this weekend it will be a doubleheader as well, so there's a chance to get a few more new fans on board as well against Wellington Phoenix. Um, Obviously, maybe playing in front of some people that haven't watched the A-League women's side, or at least the Wanderers A-League women's side before, getting a result out of this game. Do you put pressure on yourselves that this could be a game to potentially bring in new fans, or is it just, yeah, we're going to go in, we're going to do our thing, and hopefully your thing is the winning? Yeah, of course. Every game's a good opportunity to to bring in new fans and inspire new young boys and girls from not only Western Sydney but but everywhere. Um, and I think that was a, a message for us last week as well that you know that game that we played in, um, no doubt we inspired someone. And I think this is a a great opportunity, especially as a club, we're all there together on the weekend. Um, it's a good opportunity to win another game and get better. Um, Wellington, I thought, looked really good in round one as well. So it's going to be a a really good game. Um, but that's, you know, that's what we do. It's, that's part of our job as well. It's to go win, but it's also to, to keep inspiring new generations and, and keep, you know, winning these fans over. Um, Western Sydney is a, is a crazy community with a lot of passionate people. You know, the, 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 there's over a hundred different nationalities and, and languages spoken in this area. So, um, and we know what football is around the world. It's a religion. So it's our job to win these people over and, and get them to our games and get them supporting, um, the whole club really. And if there's an area that really treats football like a religion in Australia, it is definitely yeah. Western Sydney. So hopefully a few of those RBB members are so. sticking around after Wanderers play yeah. Wellington. Hopefully they're sticking around for your game as well. Hopefully they 
We've got to remain neutral, I guess. But for your sake, hopefully it's coming away with a win as well. Talk about bringing new fans as well, as much as you guys didn't win the Sydney Derby. Anyone that watched that game from the Wanderers would probably be rejuvenated in that side because, at least from my point of view, it was one of the club's best performances for a long time, particularly at an early stage in the season. Um, that's basically all we have uh, time for, or that we've I guess, planned for. Um, Matt, you got anything you want to add? I do actually have a bit of a, a bit of a sort of broad, broader spectrum uh, question, just with regards to the following and the increased uh, following that the women's game has garnered in a post World Cup world. I mean, I guess for you, one thing that Cody and I experience a lot is as people that are really passionate for the game, no matter what, no matter whether it's you know men's, women's, whatever. We, we've noticed that in terms of sort of the independent media scene uh, and the content creation and that side of the game that's increasingly growing there still seems to be a bit of a reluctancy for a lot of uh, females and, and young girls involved with the game to sort of embrace that side of the game where you can be more sort of openly passionate about it and be more who you really want to be. It seems very secluded in a way. So what, what message would you have for anyone that's, say, 14, 15, and they want to get more involved with the game, but I guess that they're, you know, they're very secluded um, for you know, a variety of factors. I mean, obviously, you know, the game has really grown a long way in terms of just sort of the systemic misogyny that we've had with a lot of football clubs in this country for a long time. I mean, any sport, really. So what, mm. what message would you say to young girls wanting to get involved? Yeah, it's a good question because you, you look around the world and I don't even think it's just an Australian thing. You, you saw straight after what happened in the World Cup to the world champions. <laughs> and it's it's going to happen everywhere, unfortunately, but I think it's it's our jobs as female footballers to, to try and wing that out. Um, and it starts from the top and then it filters all the way down. But I think for us, all we can do is set good examples, um, be open, be honest about, you know, things that we're feeling that we're going through and making sure we help the younger ones through. You know, I look at our young ones in our team and they're confident kids. They're, they they want to be themselves. They want to get involved um, but then there's obviously still challenges, you know, and I think females feel things differently and at younger ages, um, they go through things at different times. I think it's very different to the men's game where the boys just come in and, and they're just one of the boys. It's, you know, you almost feel like you have to prove yourself in a female game to, to be accepted. Um, but I think within that football, especially women's football is just so inclusive. You can be whoever you want to be. You can love whoever you want to love you can you know literally be whoever you want to be and you're in a place that's accepted um so i think that's the most important thing and having honestly people like like you two being able to support the game and get out there and show good messages um and also being men as well i think that's really cool to to be able to support the game um be able to do these things and and just show that there shouldn't be and in the future, there will be no barriers. I think that's the most important message. I think that's a beautiful way to end it. Thank you for the kind words there, actually. But also, thank you for just coming on and being a guest, our first guest on one of these shorts. Hopefully, we do have plenty more to come. But in the meantime, Amy, thank you so much for giving up your time with us today. Hopefully, you've enjoyed yourself. That is the... Of course, any time, any time. If you want to come on a full-length episode, as well, we'll be more than happy to have you. We can go through a lot more of your crew because, it is, like I said at the start, it's a storied career already, even at... 27 so it's brilliant stuff um that is all we have time for today i've been cody ojita i've been joined by matt olsen and amy harrison captain of the wanderers um if you've enjoyed it give us a five star rating if you haven't enjoyed it like i said last week don't bother rating at all keep that keep our averages up <laughs> um, 
Be sure to follow us at Front Page Football on Twitter, Front Page Football on Instagram. Christian, I really hope I've got those correct. And that is all for us. We'll see you next week in our regular scheduled programming. <laughs>